This show has explicit language and probably has mature themes. Hey, John, will you give us that intro lick? Sorensen. I looked at some stuff on Wikipedia, watched a Showtime documentary series about it, and I'm going to explain it to my friend David Drondale. David, what up, God? Hey. Hey. Wait, I don't know if you should call me that, should you? No, probably not. Okay, let's rewind. <laughs> David, what's up? Hey, what's up? Nothing. It's good. Yeah. This podcast is on its way up, though. So, yeah. what are we going to learn about today? <laughs> We're going to do the Wu-Tang Clan. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Um, So Wikipedia says the Wu-Tang Clan are regarded as one of the most influential hip-hop groups of all time. Their first album, Enter the Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers, is considered one of the greatest albums in hip-hop history. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty easy to see. Pretty necessarily. Yeah, exactly. And the Wu-Tang assembled in 1992 with RZA as the de facto leader and the group's sole producer, especially on 36 Chambers, the first one. Okay. Oh, um, okay, yeah. So he was the only producer on that entire album? Mm-hmm. Fuck. Yeah. That's impressive. And uh, so there are nine me- original members of the Wu-Tang, and now there are ten members. Okay. Um, but they are RZA, Jizza, Old Dirty Bastard, Method or Man. Or ODB. Oh, ODB. Method Man, Raekwon, Inspected Deck, Ghostface Killa, you God, Master Killa, and eventually Capadonna. So okay, yeah. So RZA, he's the de facto leader, and right. like I said, we produce he produced all that shit. But Jizza and the ODB are the RZA's cousins. Oh, okay, yeah. I guess I knew that Jizza was. I don't think I knew that ODB was. Yep, and uh, Jizza, he's the oldest member, and he's like kind of the most. It was the most experienced in hip hop. Like he'd been rapping in New York since like the mid seventies. Like oh, when hip hop was like not even really a thing. Yeah. I guess I assumed just because of his name that ODB was the oldest member. <laughs> which <laughs> no. is kind of stupid. It's just a name, but <laughs> no. Um but the ODB was ba- like actually the most eccentric and wild. Oh yeah, for um, sure. For got sure. Into some crazy shit. Like most of it just crazy. Some of it horrible that we'll get into later. Um, then we got Method Man. He's the youngest, and he's like probably the most well known culturally. Yeah. Yep. Like he was Cheese and the Wire, and he was, and he like released his own solo albums. And yeah, I don't think I've seen any of his acting. Yeah, he's. Uh, let's see, what else was he? Johnny's saying I have. Yeah, you never saw How High. Mm, ring a bell. How high too? You ever see that one? <laughs> Wait. Oh my God! Jonathan's saying that he was in Garden State, and now I remember he was the guy behind the door, um, with the peepholes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, oh, I shit. remember that scene. Oh, thank you, Jonathan. Okay. Yeah, he was in Garden State. I for fucking forgot about that. Um, but. His albums with 
Red Man, Blackout, and Blackout Two. Uh-huh. Who he's also with, and How High. Those are two good albums, especially Blackout. Honestly, I can't vouch for Blackout Two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Raekwon, he's nicknamed the Chef for having lyrical flavor and the ability to cook cocaine into crack rock. Okay, I feel like the lyrical flavor thing was added afterwards because, <laughs> like, that's kind yeah. of arbitrary yeah, to decide that somebody has flavor. Raekwon the chef, yeah, right. Like <laughs> Probably, that's not that's not yeah. an official musical like term. I mean, it makes sense. It's like a backronym, basically, <laughs> in that sense. But <laughs> it was just an aptronym in the cooking up cocaine. Yeah, cooking up crack. Uh, and also, no offense, but from what I understand, it's kind of easy. Like, it's just oh. two ingredients. It's cocaine and baking soda. <laughs> you just, yeah, you just get the right amount of each. Yeah, and I think at the right temperature. So maybe it is difficult. Who knows? Maybe it's like chocolate. There's yeah. only one ingredient to, to cooking down chocolate. It's the chocolate. But people fuck it up all the time. That's a fact. Yeah, it could be hard. Yeah. Um, then we got Ghostface, Killa. He's arguably the most consistent member of the group. He's got like 12 albums out. Holy cow. Yeah. Really prolific. Um, they got Inspector Deck. He's one of the star members and considered one of the, like, basically he was considered to carry Wu-Tang Forever, which is their second album. Oh, okay. Yeah. Really? Okay. Interesting. And You God, he was in prison for most of the recording of 36 Chambers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he did have a short verse on The Mystery of the Cheese Boxing and you, Protect Your Neck. Do you know why he was in prison? Um, drugs, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, then Masakilla, he was the only member <laughs> selling drugs. Uh, he was the only member not already, like, who wasn't already experienced as a rapper. And Jizza, like, taught him a bunch of shit during that time. Oh, so he joined their collective as, like, totally inexperienced? Pretty much, yeah. He just, like, vibed and, with them? Yeah, he had a good, he had, like, a good notion for it. And Jizza kind of taught him a bunch of shit. But he was also largely absent on 36 Chambers because he was incarcerated. Oh. Yeah. But he was also on The Mystery of the Cheese Boxing. Okay. No, shit. I've been saying it wrong this whole time. It's Chess Boxing. Yeah. Okay. That ring. Okay. Yeah. Chess Boxing. I wondered why I'd never heard of this album. <laughs> but also, I don't know. No, that's I don't the know song the, on 36 Chambers. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I don't know that song. It's good. It's got some great ODB verses. Um, then Capadonna, he's the last one. He uh, grew up with most of the clan members, and his status at, like as a member was like most of the time unclear until 2014 when RZA said that he was an official member. Oh, okay, interesting. I don't know. Yeah, and he even better he, late than never. Yeah, but RZA actually like. What's it called in D and D when you go back and retroactively retcon? Yeah, he kind of retcon conversation. Yeah, Rizza kind of retconned it in 2014, and said that Cabadonna had been an official member since the Eight Diagrams album. Hmm. Which I'm not sure when that one came out. Actually, too bad he didn't clarify that earlier. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the formation of the Wu. Okay. All right. So pretty much all of them grew up in Staten Island in the Park Hill projects. Hmm. Yeah. Sounds like a nice place. No, it wasn't a okay. nice place. The projects there were yeah. in Staten Island weren't a nice place. Okay. <laughs> nope. Okay. Um, and, but Ghost was from the Stapleton Project across the way. 
and Ghostface Killer said, our project was known for our knuckle game. So, like, his project was known for, like, their punching and fighting. Wait, you said knockout game? Knuckle game. Knuckle. Yeah. I thought you said narco. Narco game. <laughs> yeah, they were the narcs. <laughs> the... <laughs> I was like, shit. All right, that. they were getting at it before it was even popular. Yeah. Oxy wasn't even invented. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they all had, like, kind of interesting jobs when they were growing up. Okay. Uh, like, Method Man worked at the Statue of Liberty as his first job. Oh, weird. Yeah, he was a janitor. At the Statue of... He at was a janitor Statue at the Statue of Liberty. Of Liberty. Okay. Yeah. Um, he worked there full-time, and I think you got worked there part-time. And, Together? Uh, at, like, at the same time? Yeah. Okay, cool. And, like, uh, during that Showtime documentary called Of Mikes and Men, Wu-Tang, Of Mikes and Men, uh, they, like, went back there, and the same guy is running running the Statue of Liberty shops and shit inside there. Oh, that's and really cool. so they, like, all talk to him, and they seem to be on good terms and shit. They rem- did he seem to remember them yeah. now? Oh, yeah. fuck yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I wonder who else he's seen come through there. Right? That's just such a weird job. That's but such it's a like, weird job, yeah. That's like, I mean, I don't know. Working in an American icon would be kind of... It'd be cool. Like, how could you regret your time there, even if it was kind of a shitty job? Like, once you had, like, time to distance yourself yeah, well, from the shitty job, like, you would, I feel like you would remember it a little bit fondly. Yeah, yeah. Meth Man totally does. Okay. Um, so, Raekwon, Riza, and a bunch of the other clan members sold newspapers as kids on the Verrazano Bridge. <laughs> And they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, and they even were talking about, like, strategies they'd go through in order to, like, get the most amount of papers sold. They are talking about, like, which lanes to get if you wanted to sell more money. Oh, interesting. So yeah. they were selling them to people in their cars while they were, yep. like, stopped. Okay. Just driving by. And they're, uh, they're like, if you can make 15 bucks a day, that's, like, pretty significant, like, for our family's money. Oh, yeah, I bet. Know? I bet. Yeah. Yeah, 15 bucks a day. Yeah, think about that. Like, especially if we're going back a little bit, like, uh, inflation hasn't been that crazy mm. since the. Oh, no, we're talking about when they were kids. When so they were we're kids. talking about the early 80s, right? The very early 80s. Yeah, so no, inflation has been a bitch since then. Uh, well, inflation was really Probably bad. Probably in the late in 70s. The late 70s and the early 80s is when inflation was at its worst, I think. Yeah. And then it's it's been better since then, but still, like, 15 bucks a day goes a long way. Like yeah. if you if you know how to budget, like as somebody who's been, you know, living under the poverty line for a while, if you know how to budget, which you do, yeah. Um that goes a long way. Yep. And then later on, of course, as we already talked about, a bunch of them were selling drugs. Um So even as kids? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like uh you god said he was moving like a brick a week and Method Man, he was so This is probably as a teenager then. Yeah, yeah. Or early 20s, too. Okay. Um, Meth Man said he was out there selling it, but he's but he did say, I'm not going to say we were partners. We definitely wasn't partners. I was out there selling his shit. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so he was selling you God's stuff? Yeah. Okay. Meth Man was selling you God's stuff. So he he was basically, like, because selling the drug game, especially with, with drugs like that, with crack more than any other drug, it is a uh, it's a pyramid scheme. Oh yeah, it's yeah. basically a pyramid scheme. Yeah, you and still so need to watch very the wire, few yeah. people make a lot of money selling crack, mm. um, and most people, uh, especially the people doing the most dangerous jobs, make next to nothing selling crack. Yep. And so yeah, basically, he was in you God's downstream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, Ghostface Killer actually got shot in the neck selling crack. 
shit. Yeah. That's not one of the better places to be shot. Yep. I think you and I have both talked about where we'd like to be shot. If we had to be shot. Yeah, I think and you I said, said the knee. I said the knee. I know we were talking about being stabbed. I don't know why that's better, but Oh, <laughs> we were talking about being stabbed. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I don't well, we don't want to get stabbed or shot. Or shot. Neither no. of those. I'm not very pro getting stabbed or shot. I'm not pro getting hurt at all. <laughs> I don't like pain. I'm going to admit that. Yeah. Uh, as far as uh, ghosts getting stabbed and uh, shot. Shot, <laughs> shot in the neck, he said, I got shot out there, but that's not the reason we wrote Protect Your Neck. <laughs> and okay. Capadonna went Good to jail. You God went to jail. Inspector Deck went to jail when he sold crack to an undercover officer. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. So, like, Basically, they're all friends. Everything's like going in shambles. And Riza, Jizza, and the ODB started a group because they're all cousins called the All In Together Crew. Okay. And Riza. When at, was this? Um, this was before. I don't know exactly. It was before 36 Chambers. So I want to say it was probably like mid late 80s. Probably late 80s. Late 80s. Okay. Yeah. Like, probably like. 88, 88 to 89. Okay. Um, and RZA had a sing- hit single, a hit solo single under the name Prince Rakim called We Love You, Rakim. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but RZA got kind of fucked by that whole music industry shit. And after that, he decided to form the Wu-Tang. Okay, so he was associated with some other yeah. production company? Yeah, or? he had already been involved in the music industry, kind of saw kind of how it worked, and was, was like... Was disenchanted. Wasn't disenchanted, but wanted to kind of but make But he loved music, shit. and he wanted to make what his vision yeah. happen. Yeah, he was, and so he, he was like he, saying, they're like making white boy rap. Oh. Like, fuck that. So is he saying that literally on some level that like a lot of the production was controlled by white men? Um, I mean, do yeah, you think some and of that is presented literal? for white white people. Oh, made so to appeal to a white sides. audience. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I think. Interesting. Basically, like almost, almost literally whitewashed. Yeah. But not literally, because that means the exact literal interpretation of what you just said. Yeah. Um, so RZA and Old Dirty Bastard got the name for the Wu after the film Shaolin and the Wu-Tang. It's like old school oh, martial like arts movie old from Kung the 70s. Movie. Okay. Yeah, they were like super into old Kung Fu movies. Yeah, you get that from their rap. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> RZA says, the best sword style that I've ever witnessed in a martial art film was the Wu-Tang sword. <laughs> <laughs> That's badass. Yeah. Right. He also said... The word Wu-Tang itself means he who is deserving of God. I got actually another long rizzo That's interesting, because to me it always just kind of sounds like Poontang. Yeah, right? Wu-Tang, Poontang. Yeah, it's actually got some deeper shit. Rizzo's, yeah, it definitely does. Rizzo's a genius, honestly. Um, here's a quote from him. One thing about the Wu-Tang Clan most people don't know is that it started with a man, with an idea and a business, pursuing a dream. That's me. It started with me, Mr. Robert Diggs, having the experience in the industry, a bad experience, but an experience that also gained me knowledge. I formed Wu-Tang Productions. I have my own record label. Wu-Tang Productions is a company similar to Def Jam, and I pursued talent to join me, and that talent did join me. 
I then went and got contracts drafted up, and I signed 50-50 production deal with each individual. And that last part with the 50-50 production deal with each individual was like pretty much unheard of at the time. Really? And that's why it was like actually really hard to get Wu-Tang signed to any label, because what was standard was like if you sign Destiny's Child, then you get exclusive rights to whatever Beyonce puts out next. Oh. And so RZA's... Oh, okay. So yeah, RZA's deal with the producers that he was taking it to was... All right, you you release this album, but we get exclusive rights under Wu Tang Productions. Me fifty fifty with the other members, they're gonna do their own shit and sign to other labels. Whatever, you have no influence over that. I see. So they had they basically what he would he would give them is fifty fifty share of one album and no control over no, no, no. the uh, individuals. The Wu Tang as a group albums. Until oh, later so on. he approached production companies and said, "Like, hey, but when we'll- they do solo exclusives, they individually, as an artist, have their own right to go to any okay. production." Okay, so as a collective, they released several albums with the same production partner. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um. But yeah, actually, but then their individuals were totally free to do whatever the fuck they mm-hmm. wanted. That's important because then you're actually allowing those those. You're actually creating a platform for them to flourish, yeah. Instead of trying to and control it's like, them, that creatively. was the whole initial idea was to like have this web that kind of like spins off. That's and, fucking brilliant because yeah, it's more it's than a production brilliant. company or a rap collective at that point. You're mm-hmm. actually trying to do it's, it's a it's, business. It's, model. it's not a fucking charity, but it's not just a business either because it has an ethos. It has yeah. like it is about lifting people up. Yeah, I mean that you you have to have this talent, you have to have like the knack for this, and you have to be passionate and driven. But like it was kind of about lifting people up. Yeah. Um. So yeah, pretty much everybody signed the fifty fifty deal with RZA, except for Jizza, and he said, "I ne- I was never signed to Wu Tang Productions. I told RZA, we family. I don't need to sign anything as long as I keep my word and you keep your word. We're good." Oh, but ODB had to sign it. <laughs> Everybody did, yeah. Um, but the Wu, there, yeah, like they're also we are. But yeah, like the Wu, we already talked about how they were influenced by martial arts, and that shows in their mm-hmm. in their shit, especially like East Asian martial arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing I didn't know is that they're heavily influenced by the Five Percent Nation. Okay, what's that? The it's sometimes called the Nation of Gods and Earths. And it's an offshoot of the Nation of Islam. Okay. Yeah, here's a quote from Riz about it. The 5% nation had has its origin, was founded by a brother who was called Father Allah. His birth name was Clarence 13X Smith. He was student at Temple Number no. 7 under Malcolm X. So, basically, yeah, it's just an offshoot of the Nation of Islam. And they have, like this thing called the Supreme Mathematics. And it's like basically 10 tenets, like wisdom, knowledge, understanding. And like the last one, Cypher. I wonder what that meant, because I've heard that. Not only in Wu-Tang, but like pro-era, in some ways models themselves after Wu-Tang, I think. Yeah. Um, or did, rather. Um, but uh, yeah, I've heard that come up several yeah, times. Yeah, that's the, the Supreme 5% Nation teachings. Like another big tenet of the 5% nation is that there's not really any specific God, but that like black people themselves are gods. 
Okay. Like it's phrased as a question. So it has some connection to the Rastafarianism, in, or not connection, sorry, but like something in common with Rastafarianism yeah. in a way. Then. Yeah. So like the question is, who is the original man? And the answer is the original man is the Asiatic black man, the maker, the owner, the cream of the planet Earth, the father of civilization and God of the universe. Yeah, so I yeah, mean, they that's ain't wrong. Kind of, no. But but I would argue that like the Asiatic black man just took on different shapes and colors as they went about the world conquering yeah. new lands. Oh yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like we like in a way, when you look at that question, like who is the original man? Like they're absolutely right. Yeah. They're absolutely right. Um but like, but, as they but, left, but they one changed. thing that should be pointed out is that like, there is more ethnic diversity within Africa than there is outside all of Africa. Oh yeah, so, which is to say, everyone living outside of Africa is actually more genetically related than the people within of, Africa. within Africa. So that means everyone who left Africa hasn't been gone for very long, really. No, yeah, we're all more related than that. Kind of insinuates. Yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, uh, but that's pretty much all I got, all I know about the 5% nation. Um, and the, and then the Wu-Tang released their first single, Protect Your Neck, and became pretty popular in the underground hip-hop scene. And then they released Enter the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers in November 93. Okay, 93. Yeah. Okay, wow. And then, uh. That's a little bit later than I realized. Actually, yeah, actually, I kind of thought it was earlier too. And Method Man, he's the first to release a solo album to Cal, dropping it in November '94. And that one was also completely produced by RZA. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, yep. ODB was next. Return to the 36 Chambers, the dirty version, it was <laughs> in March '95. It's a classic, it's got Shimmy Shimmy Ya. Okay, yeah. Uh, later in 95, Raekwon released Only Built for Cuban Links and Jizza released Liquid Swords, both of which are fucking awesome, considered some of the best of the group's solo projects. Yeah. All right. Yep. Yep. Liquid Swords, especially for yeah. me. Yeah. I really like Liquid Swords. And then in 95, also, they debuted, debuted, <laughs> debuted, debuted the clothing line woo wear <laughs> yeah okay yeah <laughs> and initially they started it just to make some money off the people who were making bootleg wu-tang shirts oh so basically people were just like pinching their style and making yeah just making wu-tang just making wu-tang merch and not giving any of the wu-tang any credit for it yeah it was knockoff yeah except without anything to knock off <laughs> except their style so yeah they started they started wu-tang uh oh sorry they so yeah they started woo wear and it turned out to be massively successful. Yeah. Like, here's a quote from Wikipedia about it. By the mid-2000s, a clothing line was almost a prerequisite for hip-hop superstardom, with clothing lines launched by Puff Daddy, Jay-Z, Busta Rhymes, Nelly, Ludacris, 50 Cent, and more. And they just invented that, basically. Yeah, they just basically invented it. Fuck yeah. Yep. Ghostface came out with his first album, solo album, Iron Man in 96. Okay. And then, dang, that's so much later than I realized that album yeah. came out. Yep. And then they got back together in '97 to release their second album as a group, Wu Tang Forever. Okay. 
And that actually debuted, <laughs> I can't say that word, at number one on the Billboard charts. Shit. They debuted at debuted number one. Debuted at number one. Fuck. Wu-Tang Forever. And their third album, The W, came out in 2000. And it only briefly had the ODB on it because he was in prison for violating terms of his probation. Oh, from previously being in prison? Yep. For... A lot of other shit. We're gonna oh, we're okay. gonna end by talking about all the shit ODB got into. Okay, fucking bastard, um, <laughs> old dirty bastard. That's the abtronym. Anyway, um, but the ODB did get onto the song "Conditioner," which also featured Snoop Dogg by rapping into the phone for visitors to talk to inmates. High quality stuff. <laughs> yep. And uh, right before the W came out, ODB escaped custody while being transported from a rehab center to a court in L.A. Oh, yeah. He yeah, escaped. Like, he, he explored a way out of there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was an espresso. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he showed up, at, showed up at the release party for the W, covered his <laughs> face in an orange parka, and wasn't released by the crowd until he was introduced on stage. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So he was just, like, in the party incognito. Just, yep. And then he performed just briefly and fled because there were cops outside. <laughs> well yeah he went to like one of the most predictable places he could have gone to they're but like he... all right guys let's figure out where he went he fled on the day of the release party for the new album but he got away for six days after that wow that is impressive yeah he he and the only reason he got caught was because he was signing autographs in a mcdonald's and the the manager of the McDonald's didn't know what the fuck was going on, but heard a big ass commotion, called the cops, and the ODB was like ready to sign uh, sign autographs for the cops until they drew his gu- their guns on him. <laughs> yeah, he kind of drew attention to himself there. Yeah, uh, so not exactly undercover <laughs> spy material, right? Um, that's pretty much what I got about the Wu Tang as a collective. But I do got a big-ass list of some other shit that o- the ODB got up into. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you want to talk about that? Yeah. All right, so music writer Steve Huey wrote, It was difficult for observers to tell whether the old dirty bastard's wildly erratic behavior, behavior was the result of serious drug problems or genuine mental instability. Regardless, the crazy shit he got up to made, it, made him something of a folk hero, quote-unquote. Like, here's where we... So, literally, he might have been mentally unstable. Yeah. Uh, I would think so. He may have had a behavioral disorder. Based on where we're about to get into... Or, wait, what did... Dang it, I was trying to copy what you said. Would you say behavioral? Lural, I think. Behavioral? Maybe. Behavioral disorder. (laughs) Um, So, in 93, when 36 Chambers was released, he got arrested for a second-degree assault and attempted robbery. Oh, he beat somebody up and what is second degree? Maybe it's not premeditated. I don't know. He yeah, like ran up and it. punched somebody and tried to take their money. That's probably it. Um, 94, he got shot in the gut after an argument with another rapper. Uh, oh, that wouldn't be one of my top places. <laughs> yeah. And my gut's big. It'd be an easy no. target. Like they'd be the easiest thing. Like if I was somebody else, I'd be like, <laughs> let's go for his gut. It's easily twice as large. It's like as twice the profile of any other part of me, especially if you're seeing me from the side. And I can suck my gut in that, but that doesn't do anything about the the love handles. I can't suck those in. 
I'm just gonna keep looking at you. <laughs> I want you. I want you to keep explaining. <laughs> oh, can you imagine getting one of your love handles shot off? Uh, that's probably the best case scenario, honestly. Yeah, you're right. Getting shot sucks. Yeah. Um. So back to the ODB. Around the time he he released the dirty version of the Thirty Six Chambers as his first album, he was being profiled for MTV Biography, and on camera he took two of his seven kids in a limo to the New York welfare office to catch a th- to cash a three hundred seventy five dollar <laughs> welfare check and receive food stamps. <laughs> yeah, and that was right after he just got a forty five thousand dollar advance from Elektra Records, and was getting his share of the Wu Tang profits, which just shows you. Which shows you exactly like how poor he was yeah. before he made it. Uh, yeah, like within a year, he went from being exactly the poor only enough to I'll... qualify for that stuff. Yeah, like the be... only reason he could do it was because he hadn't filled his taxes out for the previ- for the year for the current year and was using the previous year's oh, taxes. Oh, <laughs> nice. Um, and that was actually around the time that Congress was like heavily debating welfare reform. And uh, here's a cool quote from the ODB about it. The people that want to cut off the welfare, man, I think that's terrible. You know how hard it is for people to live without nothing? You owe me 40 acres and a mule anyway, for real. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Good. So it's it's fair to say that he's probably not a Bill Clinton supporter then. It wasn't. <laughs> probably Which not. I'm totally down with. Yeah. Fuck that guy. He just advanced the uh, uh, Republican agenda yep. for eight years and acted like he was a Democrat. Yep. That's my opinion, anyhow. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, he did DOMA, dude, Defensive Marriage Act. I know, I just don't know enough about it, so I don't want to get into it because I'm oh, yeah, yeah, ignorant. Yeah. Oh, no, I feel you. Um, <laughs> so in 97, ODB was arrested for not paying child support for three of his kids. Oh, yeah, you got to fucking do that. Yeah, you got to fucking do that. And that was after. Come on, ODB. I know you're dead, but. Yeah, that was after you made some money. You gotta fucking pay your child support, dude. You made him. Yeah, and then fucking in 98, he pled guilty for attempted assault on his wife. Wait, attempted? For an attempted assault on his wife, yeah. Hmm. So yeah, fuck that shit. Yeah, like you shouldn't even attempt it. Yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to include this, like that stuff too. Because you can't just... I don't want to just, like, pick good stuff that he did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We shouldn't just, like, cherry pick. Like, you yeah. should spill out his whole legacy. Yeah. Like, yeah, he did some stuff where you're like, ah, ha, 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 look at him. He's, like, a rebel artist. But then he did some other stuff where you're like, dude, I don't give a fuck, like, what do you got to say about society? Yeah. Like, that's just fucked up. Yeah. You don't do don't that shit. assault or attempt to assault your wife. Yeah, fuck. don't. Domestic violence, just, like, literally, what's the excuse? Yeah. Shit, there's no excuse. Exactly. Um, later, re- later after that, he got shot in the back and arm during a home invasion invasion at his girlfriend's house. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of funny. He got yeah. shot multiple times while it happened. Yeah, Actually, at his girlfriend's like, house. That's after. what he gets. Honestly, that's what you fucking get. Yep. Um, you said his ex-girlfriend, right? No, his girlfriend's house. Oh, so Probably he while broke he had his, his wife. He broke no, his... and it wasn't his. It was it wasn't his home invasion. Somebody broke into his girlfriend's house while he was there. 
Oh shit, my she, bad. Yeah. Oh shit, my bad. I didn't realize what this. I thought you meant he was the home invader. No, no, no. no. Oh no, no, no. He doesn't deserve to be shot because no. he was with a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah, Even yeah, if no. he was married, like <laughs> infidelity is like there's know, no excuse like, for that shit. Like, but you don't right, deserve dude. to be shot. <laughs> no. God, no. You just deserve to be divorced. But days after getting shot, he got arrested for stealing a pair of fifty dollars shoes in Virginia Beach. <laughs> and he had around five hundred dollars cash on him. <laughs> <laughs> so it was literally just for fun. Yeah, he was probably like, "Fuck them." <laughs> and then he got issued bench warrants for failing to appear in court a bunch of times. And this is all in '98. A few weeks later, <laughs> he got arrested for criminal threatening of police officers in L.A. And then got rearrested on similar charges after that. Can't blame him for that. No, fuck the police. Yep. Um, also in 98, he interrupted Sean Colvin's acceptance speech for a song of the year award at the Grammys because he was pissed that the clan lost best rap album to Puff Daddy. And this is what he said. People started applauding him right as he took stage. Okay. So he pulled like a Kanye before Kanye. Well, before Kanye, Kanye was probably trying to pull ODB. (laughs) Um, he said, please calm down the music and everything. It's nice that I went and bought me an outfit today that cost a lot of money today. You know what I mean? Because I figured that the Wu-Tang was going to win. I don't know how you all see it, but when it comes to the children, Wu-Tang is for the children. We teach the children. You know what I mean? Puffy is good, but the Wu-Tang is best, okay? I want, y'all, I want you all to know that this is the ODB, and I love you all. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like it's it. It's funny too that like he was just he was just pulling for his own stuff. When Kanye went up there, he was at least talking oh, about yeah. a different artist, <laughs> like two separate artists not yeah. involved with himself. Mm. He just went Why up there and was like, would, "I should have the fuck he wanted." Yeah, it's like I, <laughs> nobody also, else would ever do that. I do just want to clarify from earlier, uh, specifically, I want to say fuck the police from the. Uh, from L.A., like the LAPD from the 90s, that's specifically. Not all police officers are bad guys, and certainly not all police officers are racists. Yeah, yeah. Like, I do do think that the police, as a notion, needs to be reformed in our society, but Mm. I don't think that all individual police officers deserve to be treated poorly. They need heavier checks, but yeah, they are people. Yeah, and they are people, and you know, I'll tell you one thing I know. I would be a terrible police officer. You put me in such a high-stress situation like that all the time, I would be a terrible police officer. I'd be a jerk to people for no reason. Oh, yeah. I think I'd be good, actually. Yeah, you'd be a lot better than I would, yeah, for sure. I'm good at uh, de-escalation. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah, in February 98, Dirty saw a car accident from the window of a recording studio in Brooklyn. And him and a friend ran out and organized about a dozen onlookers who helped them lift the Ford Mustang and save a four-year-old girl. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Damn. That's, that's like on the opposite spectrum of things. Like, that's, yeah. yeah. That's he, like straight up heroic. Yeah. She went to the hospital with second degree burns and ODB actually went and visited her like a handful of times until the media started to recognize them. Damn, dude. That's... Like, I, I don't know. That's so cool that he just like, he did almost like an incognito, like, yeah. uh, make a wish. With a kid that wasn't going to die, just one he rescued from dying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then in January 98, police officers from the street crime unit in Bed-Stuy shot eight shots at ODB and claimed that he was firing back at him. 
but he was cleared by a grand jury. And he wasn't hit either? He wasn't hit. He was cleared by a grand jury, and no weapons or shell casings were found in his car or near the scene. Well, yeah, besides the ones that the cops shot. That's not surprising. Not well, very okay, and that was in New York, right? Yep. So also, I'm going to include the NYPD in, yeah. that, in that earlier statement <laughs> yeah, exactly. about fuck the police. Um, also... Uh, next month in February, he was arrested for driving without a license and for being a convicted felon wearing a bulletproof vest. <laughs> I didn't know that was actually illegal. Yeah, it was illegal for felons to own body armor at the time there. <laughs> and then weeks after that, he got arrested again for traffic offenses and having weed in 20 vials of crack. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't know how much a vial of crack is, but 20 sounds like a lot. Sounds like a lot. That's probably a lot of goddamn money. Yeah, again, I don't know how much a, a vial is. Like, if no, that's something you sell to one I. person or... No, I would... I, you don't think so? I don't think so, but I don't know. And that's when we get to 2000 when he escaped custody to show up at the release party for the Woo. Okay. So, like, all that stuff happened... Happened before. Yeah. And he died on November 13th, 2004 at RZA's recording studio. I didn't realize it was that early. Yeah, 2004. I kind of thought... I. For some reason, I felt like it was like 10 years ago. Yeah. At most. Right? It's I don't know a long why, time ago. Actually, more in his ago. death, more than like pretty much anybody else in music, just because he was so fucking unique as far as like his musical style and sensibility. Yeah, like, that's true. Nobody has ever had or probably will have a flow like ODB. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it's just fun and weird. And sing-songy. I feel like less also, people come up with unique flows than they used to. No, exactly. But, but like, there's a... I mean, there are still tons of different unique flows still coming out all the time, but... And unique, you know... No, yeah, I saw... I saw... Vocalization. Snoop Dogg on his YouTube show saying, like, basically everybody's taking taking it straight from Migos. I don't know who started it, but it's the Migos mm -hmm. flow. da 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 Da, 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 yeah. da, 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 and he's like shit if we were to do that we'd all be called biters Everybody yeah exactly that's what flow. i'm saying like the industry definitely has changed a yeah. lot it feels much less grassroots you know what i mean the industry yeah. is much less run by the people who actually produce the music than it used to be i think so yeah but yeah that's uh what i got about the wu-tang you got anything else about the wu mm, nah nah that was fun yeah yeah it was um, and I think it, it is important like i'm glad that you brought up some of the stuff that odb did that's just kind of like um it can't be mitigated by the fact that you're an artist no you know yeah. what i mean like it's like you're still a piece of shit for doing fucked up things exactly no matter and, your and position art should be taken or... separate from the artist like once somebody creates something that is actually it's now about you the person who consumes it yeah. it is about you and how it impacts you and so you can appreciate somebody's art even if the artist is kind of morally not a great person. Well, especially, uh, or it's just straight up a piece of shit. And uh, especially when they're dead, you can get off a little bit easier. Uh, yeah. Bit no, easier. <laughs> I knew what you meant. Yeah. like b Because basically the idea is you shouldn't support them that. Money, yeah. yeah, you shouldn't support that artist. And that's the dilemma. Like You can take art separate from the artist, but at the end of the day, you are responsible for your... like your support of someone. And so mm -hmm. if you give financial support to somebody like, I don't know, here, I'm going to throw this out there R. because Kelly. I personally hate this fucking person, uh, Chris Brown. Yeah. If you give your fucking financial support to Chris Brown, 
Fuck you, if you give dude. Your money like to I don't R. Kelly, give a fucking fuck shit. Yeah, if you give your money to R. Kelly, oh my God, fuck though. you. you know I don't what? give a shit how good their fucking music is. They beat women and abuse children. Like that's it. You are you are basically saying if you're talented enough, I'm okay with that. And uh, like I'm actually happy that we live in a time now where that can come out a lot easier without fear of repercussion. Like the like, it's kind of cool and also kind of sad how many pop figure figures are being accused credibly of shit like that. The yeah, one that, yeah, the it's one that sad they, because yeah, it's it's distressing how many people abuse their and, power in that way. But and it's fucked up it's who good. actually like is involved. Like some of my fucking like the one that got me the most was George Takai. Yeah, like holy shit. Um, though just to clarify that one. Yeah, I don't know, actually. Um, I think mostly what came out about George Takei was that, <clears throat> so he played a rather unsavory character on um, Howard Stern's radio show. And oh. it was a character based around being a creepy old man. Wait, really? Yeah. And it was basically, it was a lot of basic, like, so it wasn't unsavory sexual jokes and things like that. It was just him being funny on Howard Stern? Or was it like actually shit, that, talking about shit he was doing? In life, as creepy George Takei on Howard Takei on Howard Stern. No, he was not talking about his own experiences. He was playing a character on the show, but he said some pretty disturbing things as that character. Okay. Anyway, um, you ready to end it? Yeah. All right. That's it for this episode. Dexplanations is recorded at Rab Pen Studios, Eugene, Oregon. It's produced, edited, and provided them sweet licks by Jonathan Cunningham. Art and logo by Monet Moran. I want to thank all of our past and current cherished patrons and beloved listeners on Patreon. Your support means everything to me, to us, and to the show itself. Our two newest patrons are Hannah and Tanner Lopez. Thank you both for signing up to support the show. If you want to support the show like Hannah and Tanner, go to patreon.com slash dexplanations. Tell a friend to listen to your favorite episode or leave a review on iTunes. The last one, the review on iTunes might be very helpful because I think we just got a one-star review, so we're at 4.9. You really want to let that stand? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I read that one. No, no, no. That was... Wait, I don't think it was a written one. Oh, okay. Never mind. Never Um, mind. But anyway, likely we got a... I read a different one then. Yeah, that one is a while ago with a three-star. No, 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 no. There was another one about something something about... I don't know if they commented on... I don't know what medium they commented on. Oh, okay. You're talking about Facebook. She was nice. She said we were stoned. It was the same. It was the same problem other people had with us. Oh uh, yeah, but she also said take it from a '60s child. Yeah, I think she's a stoner. And she also said we were fun. So I gave her, I gave her ni- a nice comment and said thanks for the feedback. Also, even if you do think I'm stoned, like <laughs> that that one guy who called me a stoner also said claim also accused me of having my phone in my hand <laughs> during the episode. Which, so like, like, which is it? Do I have impeccable recall? <laughs> Or am I a stoner? <laughs> I know I talk weird. This is how I talk. Yeah, and if David can give himself shit for talking weird, I absolutely have to be allowed to talk weird because that's the only reason. <laughs> that's the only reason I'm unique is because I talk weird. Also, a lot of our listeners like your voice, like Hannah. Mm. It's it's soothing to her. Thank you so much, Hannah and Tanner. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Um, anyhow, we likely got a bunch of shit wrong. And if you want to tell me about it or you just want to bullshit, hit us up at explanationspodcast at gmail.com. 
Tweet me out to explanations or comment on Instagram. I'll bring it up in a later episode or do a new episode about it. Oh, and as for you, I always enjoy your cooking. Bye now. Thank <laughs> you.